All right, everybody. I do believe we are live. Welcome to another episode of the Break the Rules live stream. I am your host, Lev Polyakov, Lev Poe on Twitter. And we are here today for a wonderful debate about uh, President Joseph Biden's accomplishments. And we have, as always, uh, Sticks Hexenhammer 666. And we got Armand Domalewski, who has been on the stream before. Really cool dude. Uh, I may disagree about the imbiest uh, tendencies of Armand, uh, but I am uh, very thankful for the fact that you are here today to uh, have this debate. Now, uh, just a little bit about yourself, Armand. You live in San Francisco. And uh, mm -hmm. what kind of uh, things do you uh, do and how exactly did you get into this? And then we're going to go right into the uh, debate. Don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, patreon.com slash break the rules. You know the whole spiel. Anyway, Armand, go for it, my friend. Sure. I'm a data analyst in San Francisco. I work for a large tech company. Uh, I used to work in politics uh, and policy, working on like housing policy as well as like local political campaigns and national ones and so I got into this through that, and I also just tweet a lot. It's fun. <laughs> All right. And uh, as far as the uh, Biden's accomplishments go, I do want to start with you, Armand. We can talk about different things. One of these could be uh, immigration. I mean, that's been a very, very big subject right now. So uh, would you like to start off with that aspect of um, Biden's administration? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't describe, like... It immigration policy is like Biden's, what are Biden's big accomplishments? I think Biden has done a lot, given the constraints he has to make things better. Um, but obviously immigration has been like a really contentious and difficult issue. I'll start with the things I think he's done well. Um, I think prior to uh, Biden coming to office, there's a lot of, you know, Trump administration's general philosophy was to try to shut things down as much as possible, but also without really understanding how the court system works. So there's a lot of procedures where like they attempted to do um, like, do section 212F to shut down all immigration. And the courts are like, well, no, it doesn't work that way. It's a halting, halting starts and stops. And you saw, for example, like there are 5,000 families uh, that were separated during that process that many of them never got reconnected. Their kids were like lost their parents, families that were totally disconnected, things like that. And I think they were trafficked. They were trafficked or put in the, uh, the Obama cages. I mean, they were put in detention camps because that's what the law requires is the detention specifically. Like that's part of the reason that like this border bill was such a contentious thing is because right now the law requires you to be detained if you come to the border, but we never had the funding level to do it. And so when they exceed capacity at the border, they end up releasing people. Um, and also they were staying, the reason there's like not capacity is because they're staying in the cages for such a long time because like, you either have to release them or you can detain, but then they need to get a hearing, but then you don't have judges, you don't have asylum officers. Like the system's not, you know, built to process it. But to talk about like the positive things, I think there's been a lot of things on, for example, like high-skilled immigration visas, um, lower reforms on like rationalizing the way that H-1Bs work it used to be previously done um, much more. Like, for example, a recent rule change that was happening around it is that it used to be really incentivized to dump a lot of like, Basically, it, it's very hard to um, optimize them for the specific role. And so you saw them gained by like large staffing companies that would just like put pour in a ton of people with not necessarily that that's need. They've done reforms to change that and to rationalize it um, and to prioritize those based on like the highest level of skill need. I think they've also significantly improved like the refugee process. So like um, 
the, like the best way to handle asylum or refugee claims is to have people come in through like a legal embedded process. And there are things like temporary parole status, for example, it's like a huge surge of Venezuelan immigrants coming because the economy is falling apart. Um, by giving that status, it reduced the flow of people who were coming in chaotically across the border. Um, so I think like, within the legal limits of what Biden has been able to do, he has like rationalized and used the chaos as much as possible. But the fundamental problem is that there are like we've had data laws that are not built to address like modern immigration issues. Um, can I can I counter that? I would say sure. that uh, Joe Biden, if he were smart, he would simply have uh, kept up with uh, the Trump era laws and uh, built more wall and put more staff on the border. And uh, we wouldn't have the current crisis that we have. We've got a record number of people pouring across. They're being processed in the United States and then let go of as opposed to remain in Mexico. That policy was abolished effectively. And uh, so the pro the problem really is i don't have a problem with asylum seekers somebody comes over from cuba wet foot dry foot somebody comes from a commie country they come into the nation and they legitimately they they want to get away from socialism which everyone in their right mind would want to do i have no problem with them whatsoever the problem is that a person can simply toss their passport into the rio grande say hey i'm from venezuela or some other place that a safe third country wouldn't apply to and they can simply wander across the border. Now, once they're across, because there are so many people coming in, it's impossible to process them all. So what do they do? They detain a handful of these people. The rest are let go of. We've got, we had a report last year, and I don't know if you saw it, up to a third of all of the unaccompanied minors coming across the border who are released to a guardian, they can't make contact with the, with the so-called guardian within the United States. These people are being trafficked. It's not give us your huddled masses, you're tired and poor. It's basically, hey, give us your kids and we're going to Moloch uh, them, basically. They're being trafficked at the moment. They're in sweatshops or they're being uh, prostituted or something like that. And uh, I think it's sick. I don't think that it's merciful or kind. And I think that Biden has completely failed on the issue. And by the way, a supermajority of Americans feel the same. Armand, do you agree with uh, Sticks as far as... Uh... Uh, Biden uh, should have uh, kept the uh, Trump policies. Well, I think the like the mistake around that is that, like, for example, remain Mexico. One, it was never really fully implemented because Mexico only agreed to like a specific type set of immigrants that would qualify for it. So they're like, if you come from these countries and meet these criteria, we'll do remain in Mexico. Um, but then they only like, that program was already falling apart because of exceeding Mexico's capacity. Uh, the pandemic then happened, which is like ultimately was shut down. A lot of people point to like, oh, immigration went down. It's like that is what caused like the big drop. Um, and now they're trying to, you know, put negotiation potentially start and remain Mexico. But the issue is that Mexico has like pretty high conditions for it. Like Mexico doesn't want like, to do remain Mexico policy because it means that a ton of people stay there for a very long time. Um, and so like their demands right now are provide 10 million uh like provide citizenship status or a path to citizenship for 10 million undocumented immigrants, uh, restore like, and the Cuban embargo and the Venezuelan embargo, um, and like send Mexico and Latin America billions and billions of dollars. Which, like, some of those things, like, I think the Cuban embargo is stupid, should remove it anyway. But those are things usually the people who support remain in Mexico don't support those things. You can't just like force Mexico to do remain in Mexico. Um, as far as the like staffing stuff, like, yeah, I totally agree. Like we need a lot more 
folks, especially like asylum officers and immigration judges, because like really the big problem is that we have these rules, like the theoretical idea of this is supposed to be like a big war happens and a bunch of people come across and they get an asylum hearing and then a judge processes them and so on. But that's supposed to take months, but ends up happening years. And then um, you either have a situation where there's like these massive camps across the border that people stay in for a long time. But then even that gets overextended um, or you have people in the country. Um, and the truth is that the majority of people do end up attending their asylum hearings. The simple fact that like, they don't want to get deported and having. Yeah. But know, under the, under the latest, under the latest bill, the, uh, I guess the uh, secretary of state can arbitrarily decide that a person is eligible for asylum anyway. Uh, what I'm wondering is, uh, the, the, though, uh, how is this a Biden accomplishment? Because that's sort of the parameter of our debate is Biden's accomplishments, right? We're talking about the, the yeah. border at the moment. Uh, if well, you're I, saying, if you're saying that the Biden whole situation is messy as hell, then how is that a Biden accomplishment? I just don't understand. Well, I think Lev. Uh, yeah, we can move on to other. We can move on to I, other I, points. I don't think it's. A, I think it's a. Given the parameters we have, he has stemmed the bleeding as much as he can. Um, but I, don't I disagree completely. <laughs> All right, we can move on. We can move on to other points uh, later. We could go back to this one if there is time. So, reading over here uh, from Armand Joe Biden's top five accomplishments. Number one passage of the American Rescue Plan, which supercharged growth and led to record lo low unemployment. Armand, any comments on that? And then we're going to go to sticks. Also, I, you know, I graduated college around um, 2013, and I actually entered college in 2008 um, during the great financial crisis. And so I have like one of my strongest memories really that shaped the way I see the world in politics is the experience of like my family almost losing everything, um, horrible unemployment, years and years of grind like even by 2013 like getting a job was, took forever i was like living in my car it was awful and unemployment stayed above like nine ten percent for a very long time it really took decade almost like a decade to recover then we had the pandemic and i was terrified because like unemployment was like skyrocketing even more than what we saw during the great financial crisis and all i could see was another 10 years of struggling to get jobs, struggling to get higher wages. Um, we learned the lessons from that. Um, both first, like under Trump with the CARES Act, and then like the American Rescue Plan, where we said, last time we were so worried about spending too much money, um, but we didn't spend enough, and unemployment was in the toilet for a very long time. This time we understood that it was better to take the risk on the higher end. Um, and we were able to restore, like, go back to the pre-20 uh pre-pandemic growth trajectory way faster and in fact we are still um far above our peers like in the entire world if you look at like unemployment rate wage growth like economic performance for the united states versus like the uk in particular but germany japan like all our peer countries were like kicking their ass um and we've also seen is that this has particularly been helpful for like working class folks and so like the fastest wage growth that's happened in real terms, like that's after you take into account inflation for people at the bottom 25%, um, people who were screwed for a really long time, um, they're actually are, like, more so than people like me who are like, I'm very fortunate, like I make a good tech income and all that, but like relatively speaking, um, those folks have been seeing like the biggest gains um, and that's something I'm 
I think is a huge accomplishment. Sticks. I, I would, yeah, I, I would definitely love to respond to that. First and foremost, yes, unemployment is low. It was already dropping like a rock uh, when Trump left office. It had already dropped considerably, and he didn't need anything in particular to cause that to happen. That was because furloughed workers simply came back on the job. It was a temporary loss due to the stupidity of lockdownerism, which was uh, largely state level, by the way. Um, Biden has not done anything to move that trajectory whatsoever. He spent a lot of funny money. The problem is that a lot of the job creation we're seeing now is people taking out second jobs. And I'm thinking to myself, if, if I were like working class uh, before Biden inflation, okay, maybe I'm making ends meet. Now, all of a sudden, everything's twice as expensive. Well, shit, what do I have to do? You've got two choices. You can take out credit card debt, which a lot of people are, and there's a debt bubble that's actually looming because of Biden's inflationary policies, or you can get a second job, a side hustle, something part-time. I would note that a lot of the new job creation is part-time jobs. In fact, it's virtually all of it. Uh, that's number one. Number two, to, uh, say, to say that the uh, uh, Biden's rescue plan actually helped anything is sort of like saying that the infrastructure plan did. We're talking about Biden's accomplishments. Uh, the problem is that when you look at uh, accomplishments in a political sense, they can be either nonpartisan or partisan. So you would have something that the vast bulk of the, the majority of the population supports. That would be an objective accomplishment. Okay, so 70% of the public thinks it's a great thing. The problem with Biden's accomplishments, as you would label them, is that half of the public thinks that they're nuts. And so you may think of them as an accomplishment. Other Biden fans might think of them as accomplishments, whether you're a partisan Democrat, maybe you lean left politically or something like that. You think it's a great thing, but not understanding that there's the other side that thinks that they're terrible. And Trump had the same thing. Some of the things he accomplished, like uh, when, when he put three justices on the Supreme Court, if you're a small R Republican, or you lean right or something like that, you consider that an accomplishment. I consider it neutral myself as a non-Republican, of course. If you are a Democrat in the partisan sense, or you're a liberal or whatever, you probably think it's a terrible thing. Uh, so it's not really an objective accomplishment at all. It's just, it's partisan. It means nothing. I would say with regards to the unemployment rate, yes, it's low. It was also very low under Donald Trump. You remember the uh, quip that uh, Obama had when he said, oh, Donald Trump is full of shit. He's not going to get unemployment down to 4%. He doesn't have an economic magic wand. And then he got it down below 4% for, for a couple of years, actually, under his presidency. Well, I mean, that's an accomplishment. And he didn't need to do that with people taking out second jobs or uh, barely being able to make uh, ends meet. I would say that Trump has many accomplishments. Uh, Biden has none. I can look back through even presidents that I hate, like George W., Obama, Herbert Walker, Clinton. Uh, we haven't had a, a winning streak in a long time, other than, I would say, Trump's first term of two. Uh, I can look back and I can find some redeeming qualities to them, which are nonpartisan. Obama, he stood out of the, the uh, way of an energy boom. He normalized relations with Cuba. I give him credit for those. George W., great diplomacy with Africa, forestalling what's happening now with China, trying to colonize the eastern side of that continent. On that, he was a master, masterstroke of genius. Herbert Walker was occasionally humorous, et cetera, et cetera. 
I can't find a single thing that Joe, that Joe Biden has done, though, that would be conceived of as an accomplishment, except in a partisan context. That is, you already tend to support liberal policies and or the Democratic Party, and so you label it to be an accomplishment. Now, quick aside, from what I was uh, reading, the uh, annual weekly earnings for private sector employees um, in nominal dollars went from, uh, in 2016, $878, 2020 it was $975, and 2024 it's $1,178. So, as far as jobs like that, low, like, uh, what would you say is no more Trump's doing, and now it's already in uh, Biden's court, as far as the kind of uh, changes we've seen with the economy. So, Sticks, Which one that, of us are you asking? I'm asking you, Sticks, and then I want to go to Armand. I would say that nothing that's happening right now has anything to do with Donald Trump. He hasn't been in office in over three years, so... Hmm. Okay, so, uh, Armand, uh, yeah, let me know uh, what you think of what Sticks said. Sure. Um, I mean, a couple of things. So first of all, when Trump left office, unemployment was 6.7%. And I think, you know, what they, I do give Trump credit for is that he did sign the CARES Act under his administration. And that is when unemployment started to fall. We had the, you know, the stimulus checks go out. We had uh, sort of very aggressive unemployment insurance that was larger than historically done. A lot of important investments um, done in the economy. And that's what like when unemployment, it wasn't just like a furloughing thing of people returning to work because of health stuff. It was also, we did basic macroeconomics of like when there's low demand, like when there's an economic shock, whether it's a financial crisis or in this case, a pandemic, it might be caused by an external force, but the way an economy can recover is by having the government inject more money back in. Um, <laughs> it, that is how we got out of the, you know, that recession. That's why we stayed in the great financial crisis for so long is because we didn't do it. And the comparison you can see, you say, okay, well, what it happened anyway is like, we do have a natural experiment because the United States did way more of this than Canada, Germany, Japan, the UK. And what we see is that we have the best economic performance of any of those countries. And can, can, I, that, can I just interject one thing? It sounds like you're giving Donald Trump credit, actually, for the American Rescue Plan for absorbing the unemployment. The CARES Act happened under Trump. The American Rescue Plan happened under Biden. Both of them were good. But it's, it's so, so you're giving Trump credit. Because that absorbed a lot more employment. I, I think he Just deserves credit out. for I think he deserves credit for signing that at the time, and I think Biden deserves credit for signing the American Rescue Plan. Well, to be right. clear, uh Ut Sticks, why are you uh not giving credit to Biden for the American Rescue Plan? I don't think that either of them had any measurable impact at the time. I think that the jobs portion of Trump's bill kept the economy afloat during a period where it shouldn't have needed to be kept afloat. And I opposed the lockdownerism at that time and actually criticized Trump actually for uh, for his role in that, although it was mainly gubernatorial in nature. The states were the ones that were locking down. It, it wasn't at the federal level other than the travel ban. Um, I'm, I'm just wondering, uh, <laughs> by God, I, I'm trying to wonder exactly uh, what I'm supposed to give Biden credit for actually. Well, I, I want to also point out something. You said that there's like record number of people holding multiple jobs. That's actually not true. Like the percentage of people. No, I, did, I didn't jobs. say that. I said, I said, I didn't say that. I said that a large proportion of the new jobs being created, you know, when you see the jobs data, oh, we created 300,000 jobs this uh, month or something. 
a large number of those are part-time positions and they're from people that already have jobs. And we know this because we can look at the unemployment statistic. Right. If unemployment rises of- by 0.1, but you created a shit ton of jobs, then obviously people are taking out second jobs. There's no other way to describe it. There's also the population is rising. Um, and what we're seeing, the, the, main, the best metric to look at unemployment is labor force participation rate, because it's like of the population, how many people- Which is also them? relatively low um, under Joe Biden. And- <laughs> The prime age labor force participation rate, when you're looking at 25 to 54, which is the main thing people look at, because that's actually working age, is the lowest it has been since like 2001. Um, it is very, very low. We did see during the pandemic a lot of seniors left the workforce and retired, and a lot of those folks haven't come back, although some yeah, have. That's true. Um, but we, and like in terms of people 25 to 54, like the percentage of those people who have jobs and full-time jobs, not part-time jobs is very, very high. Um, yeah, and that's and that's, act, that's actually a good thing. The problem is that yeah. a lot of them are taking out the second part-time job and that's where a lot of that job growth is coming in. They're taking those out to buy groceries and if they can't find that second side hustle, they're taking out credit card debt. That normally when well, when credit, credit card, card debt normally begins to skyrocket when the economy is really good and consumer confidence is high because people say, well, I've got a thing going every morning in America again. I'm going to take out a credit card and buy the new dishwasher. I'll take out a credit card and I'll buy the new dryer or something like that. Right now, that's not what we're seeing. We're seeing people taking out credit card debt literally to buy groceries. I've had people message me about exactly that. I mean, that is. Well, that is definitely happening. Well, you have to that's always, you know, I don't know. How's that a Biden here. accomplishment? Well, I don't want to pretend here and say that people aren't struggling. Of course, people are struggling. There you go. I never want to dismiss or diminish <laughs> anybody. But what we're talking about is like, what has a person done as president to make things better rather than worse? If you're measured for. Well, the name, name or, something. So far, I haven't heard anything. Good, if you're measured for a good president is that nobody has ever struggled ever, then no president has ever been. No, 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 that's perfectly fine. Some people always struggle, I already have. But when uh, when everyone is struggling, like under Joe Biden, I would say that's an unqualified failure. The amount of people are making, like in real terms, like when you're talking about extra wages, uh, taking into account inflation, Real wage growth has been hot, grown faster than it has been in decades. I'm and glad that people that make half a million a year are doing so well. Why well, I said earlier that actually the incomes are rising fastest for the people in the bottom 25%. You're actually saying that like lower class. It's wonderful that the poor are a little bit less poor. Are making more. Is that just the poor? Is the working class, the middle class, like those folks are making more money now? Than they have been. No, they're not. When you're taking tech out higher. No, they're not. Wait, wait. How we? No, they're not. How do we find that out, Armand? You're saying one thing, six. You're saying another, Armand. Where are you getting your data from? And post the god, post the goddamn stats, dude. Sure. All right. And uh, while Armand is posting it, I want to remind everybody, make sure to like, subscribe, and so on and so forth. And I do want to move on to the next one while these stats are being found over here. And uh, maybe we can even start with uh, Stixis first and uh, get your opinion on uh, this uh, passage of the IRA which is the biggest climate bill in U.S. history and has already led to an explosion in clean energy manufacturing. So, Armand, right now you're looking at the statistics for the employment Mm -hmm. sticks. I don't know if you want to comment on the uh, IRA. With regards to green energy, that's basically just a bunch of cash to China. Um, All that means is that we get more Chinese lithium. We lease out more land that could be fallow. You could grow trees there and stuff 
for uh, solar farms for the Chinese to develop when you could be putting it up on the sides of buildings. I support solar energy development. I think it's a great idea. I just think that it should be on existing structures. And uh, I don't know why we're investing in, in solar fields when we could do that. Mm. Invest in individuals and communities. That's perfectly fine. I don't see it as a win to gobble up a million acres of land, which would have, you know, it would have, you know, turtles on it or something like that. Like at the Bundy Ranch that they tried to confiscate there. And then the Bundys... Uh, stood uh, stood against them and got found not guilty of all crimes. What did they do with that? The uh, environmental court came in and said that there was an endangered tortoise that was living there. And then afterwards, they turned it into a, chi a Chinese uh, solar farm, actually. So, uh, Armand, we can circle back uh, Jen Psaki sure. style to these stats uh, when you're looking them Don't up. Don't you be circling back, <laughs> God damn. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I do want to uh, move on to the climate uh, question right now. So would you have any response to what Six just said? Sure. Yes. I mean, I think it's a basic misunderstanding of how the AI works. If anything, actually, one of the reasons like Joe Manchin, who is like not a, a lover of clean energy by any means, like a big advocate for it, is because he understood that in order to compete with China, uh, the United States needs to take a leadership role in building clean energy. The AI specifically has tons of requirements that say that you have to use in, like resources and inputs and investments made in the United States. There's a reason, for example, why we had 27% increase under Biden of manufacturing spending, which is something that Biden, Trump kept saying he was going to do. It didn't happen. The reason it's happening in the United States now is because of the IRA. Um, you're seeing, for example, like uh, Japan, there's this controversy because Japan's trying to buy U.S. steel. It's like, why are they buying U.S. steel? Because the only reason they'd be eligible for those tax credits as if they're is made by American workers made in the United States. They're bringing in tons and tons of investment for it. We've seen battery factories going up around the United States. We've seen, um, for example, in California, there's a recent discovery of like a huge lithium deposit. Um, the only reason- That was Idaho, I believe, actually. Though there was one in, in the, Idaho too, but there's also one in this mm. uh, Salton Sea in California or something like oh, that's that. That's good. Um, and there was like one that processing plant they're setting up in, like, in the Nevada border. Um, it's specifically because um, the IRA has like percentage, like first year, like 25%, then goes up to 50, but it's like requirements for sourcing based in the United States. Um, and it's bringing back a lot of manufacturing that was previously overseas in the United States. And the truth is like the rest, China's already producing tons and tons of solar panels. Africa's buying it. Europe is buying it. Like we can either sit back and pretend like the clean energy revolution is not happening, or we can try to compete and be a leader in it. And that's what the IRA's done. Um, in terms of the land use, yeah, I, I think like um, one of the downsides of solar energy is that it does require a lot more land. However, it is largely not being like, if anything, I would say, frankly, like one way thing that's getting in the way of the clean energy sort of like revolution is that we have very onerous rules and environmental rules around building and approving it that take forever. One of the good things of that is that it's like primarily you know, former industrial land or like agricultural land that wasn't being used for a long time. It's not like natural environments or anything like that because there's very robust legal infrastructure around that. Um, and it's a little weird, I guess it's like contradictory because you're like, oh, I think it's bad to protect the turtles, but also it's bad to use this land for solar. It's like, I, I'm a little lost as to- No, I, I, I just think that it should be built on existing structures. By the way, I looked through this uh, link that you posted from Marketplace mm -hmm. 
And uh, what I would say in response is, yes, uh, people making a very small amount of money, if their wages increase by a larger percentile, yes, they're going to see the largest growth based on their initial wage. That doesn't have anything to do with purchasing power. This, this, is, this, this article does not make it clear that they're that they're even referring to purchasing power. It's, it's talking about the fact that uh, people, this is surprising because we actually saw jobs at the bottom fall the most at the onset of the pandemic, said uh, Andre Dube, an, econ an economics professor at the University of Massachusetts Amherst, who co-authored the paper. Young people with no college degree who are working in those jobs in restaurants and hospitality have gotten the biggest pay increases in the last three years, he said. But you're not adjusting for whether it's a ratio or an absolute number. So if I'm making $15 an hour and I start making $20 an hour, yeah, that's a pretty good pay increase. Yeah, that's great. Meanwhile, someone who's making $1,000 an hour starts making $1,100 an hour adjusted. If you're looking at the uh, ratio, they got less of a pay increase. This does not even fix for whether it's a, a rational number or not. It's completely useless. Yeah, what you're what you're talking about talking is the about... people at the bottom who already were making almost nothing, not even starvation wages, had uh, the largest pay increase. But it doesn't even talk about whether it's an absolute number or not. Lies, damn lies, and statistics. That's all I mean, we get. That's not what the it's not what the paper says. The paper says that it, it's adjusted for inflation, which means that's not just that's irrelevant. No, no, that it's that part irrelevant. is irrelevant. It means that they're making more money than they were before, and they're making it faster rates than they were before. Like, I, I, I would like seriously, I would years, seriously question had... whether that's a peer-reviewed paper. <laughs> uh, I mean... You do your own grocery shopping. Don't have cognitive dissonance. It's okay, to, it's okay to acknowledge the fact that Bidenflation exists and that things cost a shit ton more than they did a few years ago. You can still think that Biden is a good dude and, and love him and want to vote for him and everything else, while admitting to what everyone else already knows. I know the prices have gone higher. Nobody is denying the prices have gone higher, but the truth is that people are making more money now, even with- Yeah, yeah of course, because it's inflated, they have to make more. No, but they're making more money after you account for inflation. This is 100% of peer-reviewed paper. This is like, Dubé is like one of the most, frankly, best economists in the profession. Um, and every so is Paul theory. Krugman, supposedly. Yeah. You'll excuse me if I there don't. There are take not them right wing economists yeah. who are arguing your direction, by the way. This is like not a matter of contention or dispute that like wages are rising faster than inflation, in particular. Like, in the last, I would say, year after the Fed's the, Yeah, rate, the problem is that you have now. people that are making a, a really large amount of money and people that are making a little um, amount of money. And the so, yeah, if the rich, thinking, if the rich, if people the economy, in the upper middle class and above are doing well. But you keep saying that, but that's actually not true. Like the difference between this economy and the Trump economy and the economy, frankly, is that the Trump economy. The people making the most money and whose growth was happening the fastest were the richest people. That has changed. Like, it no, it hasn't. Changed. No, and no, the, it hasn't. the proof for that is that income inequality is declining for the first time in decades. Okay, in income and wealth are not the same thing. And the super rich, uh, they're not measured in their they're income. They're measured in their assets. The they're measured so in their assets. So under Trump, wealth inequality skyrocketed. Trump, trust me, the rich rate. love the inflation rate because their yachts become worth exactly the amount of the inflation. That, what? 
Wait, Armand, do you agree or disagree? The super, no, no, no. Let me, let me try to explain. There's a difference between the amount of money you have. Like, uh, for instance, let's see, I have, hmm, so much, uh, about $100 in my wallet. That $100 buys a certain number of candy bars. 10 years from now, who knows how many candy bars it'll buy. But if I roll that over into a tangible asset, something of numismatic value, a physical object, so it doesn't matter what it is, a bar of gold, a yacht, a car, it doesn't matter. If inflation happens, then that price tends to inflate as well. That's the difference. Wealth versus the amount of money you have. And so what you're talking yeah, about is a bunch of rich people that are doing very, very well and the poor getting peanuts. Yeah, okay, the if wages are outpacing true, the inflation, finally. Way. But uh, the problem is that for about two years, that didn't. They lost right, wealth right, for two right. years. One, like the wealthiest people in the United States have seen like wealth inequality has started to decline under Biden. It increased under Trump because he gave a massive tax cut. Secondly, I love this tax. True that rich people really, really hated Biden, or just, like really loved inflation and like wanted to keep Biden. It wouldn't be the case that the Davos that and Jane Diamond and all the billionaires are coming out trying to get Trump reelected. They're not. Like, yes, they are. No bullshit. They're, They're either supporting Biden or Nikki Haley right now. Wait, but didn't Jamie That's why Diamond? Trump's, uh, Trump's campaign campaign is half broke. No, but six didn't Jamie Diamond <laughs> say something positive about Trump recently? I'm gonna Jamie look Diamond it up. Jamie Diamond specifically came out at Davos and was like, "Oh, Trump's right on immigration, all this stuff," which he doesn't believe. But well, he, he is he is right on immigration. Wants... I would agree with him. Yeah, but Jamie Diamond doesn't give a shit about that. He said the opposite. Okay, you're before. naming one person. Who who did the Koch brothers Griffin. back? It was Nikki Haley. Yeah, are the Koch brothers gonna give to Biden? No, they can actually cut probably off will. Haley. They've never done that, and they never will. They don't give. They'll, they, they would back, back Biden probably before they'll back Trump. They just cut off Nikki Haley, and they're going to support Trump in twenty twenty four. Like, well, I mean, I appreciate their, I appreciate their support, but uh, you know, it'll be uh, definitely uh, they. They didn't do that on the front end, did they? Hmm. Well, just so we understand each other, then, Armand, are you s agreeing or disagreeing with Sticks about uh, wages versus assets, as far as the rich people being okay? Well, frankly, the, he's just, yeah, he's very wrong because like what happened under the Trump administration is because of the massive Trump tax cuts, which went overwhelmingly for the richest people um, and corporations. <laughs> which is true. This is just math. You can look at it. Like the vast majority of that money went to incredibly rich. People. people make billions of dollars. Yes, and because they pay more taxes. Corporations. Yeah, but also disproportionately. And those people, by the United States, those people pay already way less taxes than they do around the rest of the world. Um, and so, yeah, their assets went up a lot because they were taxed a lot less. And so if you're talking about like wealth inequality, it is dramatically changed under Biden. And if your argument is that like what's important is that like rich people don't play away, get a bunch of money through like Biden inflation or whatever, like the metric you're looking at is like, are the poor doing better or are the rich doing better is unambiguously better off under Biden. Quick, quick question there, Mike. No, absolutely, absolutely, completely, totally wrong. Wait, As I can attest yeah, to yeah. by talking to people on a daily basis, you know, most people buy their own groceries when they go mm -hmm. to the grocery store and then they look at the amount of money in their wallet to, the uh, Biden economy, the Bidenomics lie, the concept that the Biden economy is somehow magically better. 
it falls completely flat because people can see literally at least once a week that uh, that's not the case. Quick I see it all the uh, time. Dude, I, I admit, I'm in the upper middle class. I make six figures. When I go to the grocery store, I get sticker shock. And I shouldn't be getting sticker shock. Like, I thought I was sort of making it. And my income keeps growing year after year, but I'm not making any fucking headway. I'm probably making technically less now than I was last year, simply because of Biden inflation. I got a question I mean, for Armand. This should not be happening. I got a question for Armand. When it comes to what you consider to be rich people, are we talking about people who have like private helicopters and go to like the eyes wide shut parties, or are we talking <laughs> about people who are earning, let's say, five hundred k, you know, maybe like a million dollars? People who are more of like the upper middle class, you could say, or slightly richer, but people who like own their businesses and are a very integral part of the whole way the system works. Because there's like super rich people that have a whole team of lawyers that end up figuring out loopholes. And then there's like a much larger percentage of those rich people who I think are much more integral to this whole thing working. What happened to those rich people when it came to uh, uh, Biden versus uh, Trump? I mean, I hesitate to say that somebody making $500,000 a year is not rich. That puts you in like easily the top 0.5% of earners in America, higher than that, like, I think people sometimes get a really distorted image of like how much people make the median income in America is like, I think 50 K or something. Um, but you know, under Trump, the extremely, extremely rich people did very well. Um, but also under Trump, like, yeah, car dealership owners, dentists, people who were making a million a year also did well. Um, and so did everyone else who did really poorly are the working folks, like, whose wages are not keeping up, like, <laughs> are now getting high. There are more of them working. They are making more money. Um, they are, like, not dying from a pandemic. Um, their jobs are more likely to be getting ready for the jobs of the future, of, like, cleaner energy that's not going to kill them or poison them. Um, like, across all those spectrums, like, their lives are better. Um, and you can keep denying and keep lying about it, but it's not true. Like over about a million people died under like Trump's mismanagement during the pandemic. More um, people have died under Joe Biden, by the way. It's just that they don't have a news ticker about it anymore. But if we he surpassed yeah, he yeah. surpassed that total long, long ago. But if we're talking about those rich people, the ones who don't have the helicopters, how are they faring in general in the current uh, Biden administration as opposed to the Trump administration as far as taxes well, go? I, they're doing fine because they're they're wealthy. So, but for those for those of us that are that are not at least working rich, uh, you know, things were definitely better under Donald Trump. Absolutely, unequivocally. And I speak for I basically I speak for like ninety nine percent of the population when I say that things were better under Trump economically. If you spoke, but I, I, what I'm what I'm wondering population like this wouldn't be yeah. a debate, right? Like there there wouldn't be well, there is no debate because there's no there's no Biden accomplishments to debate. Uh, if this is for entertainment, uh, what I'm on wondering is that this debate was supposed to be about Biden's accomplishments. Mm -hmm. Can you list one? Um, because so far they're all partisan. You're I mean, talking about, you're talking about the economy. And the, uh, to put food on the table, get people into jobs, get more access to healthcare. Um, no, no, no. I, I agree with like, you. That's why I'm going to vote for Trump. I agree with you. That's so, why I'm going to vote for Trump. One thing, for example, that Donald Trump is explicitly already trying to do is his staffers are working on policies to reduce Medicaid access. 
Um, they watched it specifically. <laughs> they used Trump twenty like project every four goddamn years. Medicaid. It's on the like their proposals. They're not hiding it. Every right? like, four years. Dude, I, I, I am. Here. Can I please? Can, please, just, just, say, just no, a no, second. Okay, 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 okay. You keep yeah. cutting me out. Like, yeah, okay. Part of what happened in the American Rescue Plan that I didn't even get to was the passage of enhanced subsidies um, for Obamacare. And what ended up happening through that is a huge reduction in the amount of people who are uninsured. So it actually went from at the beginning of the uh, Biden administration around like eight or nine percent, which has hovered since like the administration now it's down to like six or seven percent that is millions of people who didn't have healthcare access before who now do have healthcare access and project 2025 which is again trump's explicit public plan his staff his people are like here's what we want to do here's what we're going to do for medicaid they have plans explicitly that reduce access for millions of people millions of people off those roles like it's not scaremongering it's like i'm quoting them uh, what i would say is I, I would say that literally every four years, that becomes an issue. They're going to take your Medicare. They're going to take your Social Security. We've heard it before. All of it is nothing but bluster. It's he nothing but nonsense. He tried to do it when he was president last time. Remember the famous McCain, like, vote down with the thumb? Like, they tried to pass a law, massively cut Medicaid. It would massively kick people off insurance rolls, and it failed. But there was like a very public big attempt to do it, like to the point where like that was McCain. Donald like, Donald Trump down. is not coming for your for your grandparents' Medicaid. Don't worry he about really that. He really did it. Well, no, to, it sticks once. to be fair. Uh, what Armand is talking about is that not legit? That uh, he tried doing it once. Like what was not going on there? Not completely. No. So what was going on there? Was that just like a wrestling thing? You know, just like pretending to uh, get rid of Medicare. <laughs> it's it's Donald Trump doing his normal bullshit thing. He's a politician. So, so what you're saying is that it was just a way to uh, wrestle with Congress to, I know I keep using wrestling references here, but you know what I mean. It was like a way oh, yeah. for him to say something outrageous so that Congress would then like do something maybe less outrageous than that. So he just like He did the, the same bar. on the ACA. Yeah, they tried he, to he, repeal he, it. There was a bill. There was like an actual bill. And did it get repealed? And did it get repealed? Despite the fact that they had the votes? You're yeah, they did, they had the votes. They could have repealed it. It didn't McCain, get repealed. No, one of the last things that John McCain did before he died was pissing off Trump by voting against. Goddamn fucking John McCain! I hate him. I'm glad you he's hate dead him for doing the thing. Like so, a second ago you were saying. No, oh, I hate him. For, I hate him for trying to bomb and third now, world countries. Actually, I did too. But like, there we go. All right, so here here are two uh, two final points over here. Here's two final points, so I'll just say both of them, and we'll decide which one to go for. Uh, how are you doing on time, by the way, Sticks and Armand? Good about ten minutes. Oh boy, yeah, here we yeah. go. Okay, so I want to talk about Afghanistan. I saw the Afghanistan withdrawal explicitly yes. mentioned. Yes. Yes. So there's a the okay. So number four, the appointment, the appointment of strong NLRB members protecting unions and boosting wages, and number five, ending the war in Afghanistan. So with, re I, with yeah. regards to unions, that's just going to be totally partisan because I think unions are fine, but they should be voluntary. Uh, I don't have a problem with them. With the withdrawal for Afghanistan, are you actually uh, are you attempting to say that the withdrawal from Afghanistan is a win for Joe Biden? Many presidents over many years said that they would withdraw from Afghanistan, including Trump, and they kept kicking the can down the road. Um, they kept saying, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And all of them knew 
that there'd be a huge political hit from doing it because there's no way to withdraw from that situation without chaos, without bad headlines, without, frankly, the military-industrial complex trying to punish you politically for it. Joe Biden is the one who did it. It wasn't ideal by any means. There's a lot of chaos around it. One of the things that they, frankly, underprepared for was like how badly the Afghan army would fall apart. But I think it's really perverse that like Biden gets like attacked for the fact that this Afghan army like fell apart. But none of the people before him who like, kept piping over the fact that the this military existed only on paper, wasn't a real fighting institution, get any like negatives for that. Um, and by Trump, you know, conveniently wanted to get all the credit for being, I'm big anti-war, I'm going to end it, and then kept delaying and delaying and kicked the can down the road so somebody else had to actually do it and take the hit. It was one of the bravest things like a politician has done in my like lived experience is actually try to end a war and take the political penalty for doing it. You realize that Joe Biden's actually the one that uh, kicked the date down the road, right? He's the one that yeah. delayed it, right? Joe Biden was, if anything, when he was a vice president under Obama, was the one trying to advocate for like a less like. Well, he didn't. He didn't succeed. The the final the final deal was was yeah. between Trump and and the Taliban, and it would have worked if uh, they hadn't kicked the can down the road under Joe Biden. And I'm not sure exactly why you're saying that Joe Biden's not the no. one that did that. Because the withdrawal was supposed Joe to Joe Biden. No, Joe Joe Biden delayed it under Trump. He delayed it multiple times. Joe but Biden then he he finalized it. the agreement. He had a, a set in stone date, and Joe Biden was the one that decided to push it further. So if you're talking he about kicking the can yeah. down the road, he that was a, Joe Biden. He set the stone date after he was out of office. Like, no, he, he said it while he was in office, and then he didn't yeah. get reselected he, he, by the uh, by the oligarchy. Final, he'd said multiple final dates before and kept pushing them off and pushing them off. Because Why is it that uh, that when Trump did that, supposedly, um, the Taliban never attacked Kabul? But as soon as uh, Joe Biden was in there, they waiting. did. It's because he's waiting. weak. So the United States withdrew. They don't want to mess up. They knew that if they attacked while there's a negotiation or withdrawal, then the United States would get pulled back in. And I'll tell you fighting. exactly what happened. Why did the United States leave? I'll tell you exactly what happened. Uh, Pashtun culture is very interesting, and most Westerners don't know this. When you make an agreement in most of the world, you abide by it, or at the very least, you get a limb chopped off. And uh, if the warlord is not feeling great that day, you go missing. Uh, what happened is that Donald Trump struck a deal. It would have held. It would have worked. When Joe, when Joe Biden came in, and he pushed the date back. What he did was he showed all the tribal warlords that otherwise probably would not have joined with the Taliban in their assault. He convinced them the United States is full of shit. They're going to keep bouncing this Why is that forever. Why true for the multiple times Trump pushed back to, like withdrawal? He didn't do so once. The negotiations were time. ongoing, but no finalized. No, no, no. no. There, were final, there were multiple. Oh, nope. so like, you know, there were negotiations. The Trump curve always works, right? Like he gets credit for the things that would have happened great, but not get blamed for the things that didn't. If Donald Trump had been reelected and pushed back the date unilaterally oh, and Kabul had Trump been taken been by the Taliban, I'd be the first person to criticize him. We had unicorns emerging from the ether and every puppy. Here we go. We're going off into La La Land yeah. now. What happened to Mexico no. paying for the wall? What happened to I, I, I have like, criticized Trump. 
I have criticized Trump down. plenty of times, but now you're going off into la-la land. Just study Pashtun culture. All right, we do have you a couple of uh, we do have a couple of super chats over here. Pashtun culture applied to Joe Biden, but not to Trump. Because it's in Afghanistan. He had multiple deals that were like, we're going to drop. No, we're going to drop. No, we're going to drop. There no. was never any Joe final Biden. binding agreement that was trilaterally agreed upon between the United States, the Taliban, and various tribal forces. All right. Be, be, and Joe Biden fucked it up. Before we go. As with everything. Come on, man. Before we go, we got to go to Super Chats over here. So we have okay. President Irina Vlad uh, something or other. It's not showing the full name here. Putina. Uh, oh, thank you very much. Putina. Under, uh, under Obama, I was paying $4 a gallon while making maybe 30 k a year. Under Trump, I was paying less than $2 a gallon while making 90 k a year. Under Biden, I'm paying 3 to $4 a gallon while making the same 90 k a year. Any comments, guys? It's Biden inflation. We had $2 an hour, $2 a gallon gasoline was during the pandemic when nobody was driving. It's really strange how people keep giving credit to Trump for that when like the only time gas prices were that low was because we had a pandemic. Like the economy fell apart, nobody was driving, nobody was leaving their house, so gas prices went down. Like you can make arguments about other things, but the gas price thing is very strange because it's specifically like the only time that two dollars happened was like the worst parts of the pandemic. Hmm. Oil well, production is a record highs under Biden. It's much higher than it was under Trump. The, not if you adjust for population growth, though. It is. We have another no, one. We're uh... not a net exporter. That's we have another we were a net exporter under we Donald are a Trump. net exporter of natural gas and fossil fuels it's true not of gasoline we are, we are the we are the biggest exporter in the world that's wonderful we should drill not baby drill we don't refine i'm glad that you agree with drill baby drill and that that's a good thing though it's it's good to find I, a liberal who believes in that i think in the <laughs> we want to transition to clean energy but right now we don't want to like bankrupt people there's nothing cleaner than natural gas and nuclear Nuclear is awesome. I like 100% support nuclear. I think it's great. Um, I think it's I think they're all great. People get right because it's really expensive. But like, we need like to create more CO2 plants. so the plants grow bigger uh, too. So I, I support SUV, you know, buying as well. <laughs> I mean, that is an interesting thing because sticks. You were in horticulture. You went to college for that. Yep. Uh, would you say that a lot of the arguments that come from people who are, uh, you know, concerned about uh, the climate changing and all of that <laughs> wouldn't really um, wouldn't really make sense when it comes Look, to? I, yeah, I support the use of solar energy for pragmatic purposes. I simply ask people to mount it on their homes' roofs instead of bulldozing forests to put them up and stuff like that. Mm. Windmills are fine, especially in the Netherlands, by the way. I mean, rooftop solar is useful and helpful, but the issue with like doing purely rooftop solar is because it's like it's very expensive in terms of unit costs. Like subsidize that instead of making solar fields. We are subsidizing it, um, but also like the the basic problem of solar is distribution, right? And so like there are a lot of places that are really sunny at some points, a lot of places that are not. It's really difficult to do that with individual rooftop solar. The so Europeans don't seem to have a problem with that. Every other home Europeans in the Netherlands do, seems to have it. They, they have a lot of that, but they also do tons of utility scale solar. Like it's something they need both of. Um, you're not gonna solve the energy crisis with just like one technology. You need nuclear, you need solar, you need geothermal, you need wind. Like, I need lots of gasoline and and natural gas. You're never going to get free. You transition away from that eventually because that. Like, no, you won't. 
I mean, it's also bad for health. Like, even if you don't believe in climate change, like gasoline emissions are really bad for, for breathing, for brain development, all of that stuff. No, they're not. They're great. Oh, yeah. Gasoline, Absolutely when it's, you, you smell that exhaust, it smells good. One of the best predictors for how poorly kids are going to do in school is if they grow up near a uh, freeway or near area of like high particulate emissions. Um, That's because those are lower class areas, and so there tends to be that that has to do that has to do with nutrition. Terrible income levels. No, it's like those are all important factors. But when you do control for all of those, it's just like common sense. Like if breathing in fumes. Sounds like that study back in the day that said that coffee would cause strokes and then they didn't fix the uh, study for tobacco smoking because it was correlated with drinking coffee. Mm. Well, you know what's not going to cause any strokes? Biltong. If you go to Biltong USA, <laughs> yeah. if you go to BiltongUSA.com and enter code BTR, you are going to get free shipping on delicious and nutritious Biltong. It's a great source of protein, especially if you guys go for the bison Biltong. That's my favorite one, personally speaking. Biltong. So yeah, BiltongUSA.com. We're, we're gonna get Armand some fucking built on. Yeah, we're gonna. It? It's, uh, it's it's a really great meat. It's kind of like jerky, but ten times better. You've oh, yeah. got to try it. Definitely. And if you yeah. like the spices, okay. if you got if you like the spices, they have a uh, ghost pepper, which is my favorite. Ooh. Recently, I tried reaper pepper. I'm never trying it again. Just uh, just say. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. It was good on the way up, but uh, afterwards I was not able to get a good night's sleep. Let's just put it that. Let's just put it that way. But uh, anyway, right, we gotta right. we gotta finish up with these super chats, people. So here we go. Okay. Cindy Derelict uh, 1999 Sticks is slaying this. Polite clanker. Clank 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 clank. Armed with a ton of spoons, by the way. Can we say the quiet part out loud? Psst. Biden isn't the one making decisions. He's just the corpse sitting on the White House. Obama's third turn. Uh, I don't know, like, Ar Armand, is that fair or not fair, like, as far as, like, a weekend in Bernie's mode? Uh, I, think if, I think if the Biden people were running the campaign, I'm sorry, if the Obama people were running the campaign, it would be doing well. We agree. Biden, I'll say more, but I think Obama had better political instincts. Interesting. So, uh, one last one over here from Putina. Stop lying. There's a difference between withdrawing on a plan and delaying for months before pulling out to leave hundreds of people and billions of equipment purely for a uh, September 11th PR stunt. Any thoughts? True. I don't think that we... Uh, one thing that was a mistake is we underestimated how badly like the Afghan army would fall apart. And so we didn't pull everything out because the idea was they're supposed to still defend themselves. They didn't. And so more equipment ended up falling in the wrong hands than we wanted, which was a mistake. Um, but like, I don't think it's a 9-11 stunt. Like, that's that's not actually war. true. Biden was talking to the president of Afghanistan before the withdrawal begging him to tell people that it was going to be okay while openly acknowledging the fact that it wasn't going to be and that they were badly coordinated and in trouble. They were very much, I mean, they were trying not to have it fall to the Taliban. Like that was the attempt. Before our intelligence was wrong and like the Afghan army melted away. Um, but that also reflects the decades of failure of US policy to build up the Afghan military and the continued idea that we'd stay there forever and so oh no we needed to withdraw done. and it probably would have fallen eventually anyway it shouldn't have been so catastrophic mm. we could have at least gotten our shit out all right two final super chats please send no more super chats this is it this is the yeah, end over that. here yeah. uh first one over here from uh, dr pib 
1999, uh, Trump's plan kept us in Bagram. Thanks to Biden, do you know who is in Bagram now? The Chinese military, and that makes it impossible to go back in. Any thoughts on that before final one here from Uncle Sam? Mm-mm. I mean, I don't want to go back in, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, uh, that's what he said. Uh, Uncle Sam, 999. Uh, easy, qu- easy equation. If gas doubled, but your wage salary hasn't, then you are in the red. Apply that to all goods. Gas here, 125. Week of Biden's inauguration, 289. Today, when I filled up. I don't understand why Biden gets credit for like, I mean, Trump gets credit for the pandemic causing gas to be cheap, like that, you know. So you give him, you'll give him blame for the rise of unemployment, but you, but you won't give so, him credit for the low gas prices. I think if pre- I give him credit for reducing unemployment with the CARES Act. I just think Biden did more of it through the Mirror Rescue Plan because it was bigger. Like, well, well, then we're at a disagreement on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm giving Trump more credit than you are, frankly. On that. All right, guys. Well, All listen, right. I just want to say major thanks to Armand. Listen, I know that Styx uh, brings the clankers over and it's very hectic, but I definitely appreciate uh, you being here, Armand. You're a really cool dude. Regardless of any disagreements, I think that the fact that you come here and are able to talk with Styx, that this is very important you know you're you're a you're a solid ass dude that's what i've been seeing on twitter and we need more solid ass dudes like you out there in the world man yeah this was fun thanks sticks for having the conversation any final things yeah it was nice it was nice talking to you any final things to plug by the way armand anything you want to promote uh follow me on twitter at armand domo there we go and uh sticks anything you want to promote i'm sticks hexenhammer 666 Eh, just google it (laughs) All right, and you could follow me on Twitter at LevPo. Oh, and also the Discord server. If you go into the description of this video, you're going to see the uh, Break the Rules Discord server. Highly recommend for you to join oh. it. I don't know where Armand went right now. But anyway, follow <laughs> on Discord and uh, also patreon.com slash break the rules. Listen, I got a ton of new patrons who recently came in because of the Jason Giorgiani Q&A. We talk about the secrets of Stanley Kubrick. We talk about all this esoteric stuff, Prometheus, Atlas, Dionysus, Apollo. He is the most knowledgeable philosophical person you're ever going to meet. Sticks, we definitely have to do a sit down with Jason Trajani, preferably preferably live in Manhattan if we can manage that, you know, fingers fingers crossed, but that's I'll take be... one for the team hey! and come to New York City at some point. There we go. Just, it takes it takes me a lot to leave the county because this is my uh, happy zone. So no, I get it there we go we're doing everybody so patreon.com slash break the rules i send the link in the chat it's in the description become a patron today you are not going to regret it uh, special streams vip uh, nyc events as well so i'm going to be throwing dinners in new york city and you guys can join me and some of the guests wink 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 nudge nudge and that's it thank you guys so much be sure to like subscribe click that bell the bell is very very important thank you so much to everybody for being here until next time Good night, everybody. I'm not a crook.